Job chapter number 1, right before the book of Psalms in your Old Testament. I want you to turn there with me real quickly. I want to share just a few things with you this morning that God shared with us. When we're facing that difficulty, man, we're, we're living in a world right now where people are losing their homes, people are losing their finances, their jobs, people are losing their families. You realize that the number one marital problem in the United States and probably the world is financial problems. Boy, when finances get messed up, everything gets messed up. There is something happens in a relationship. Things get tense. Things get difficult because there's worry and stress there. And there's a lot of people that are on the brink of disaster because of that. Listen, there are people that's losing their health because of what's going on. How many of y'all know stress will kill you? Stress will kill you. Uh, it, is, it is just as bad as cancer. It is just as bad as diabetes. Stress will put you in the ground just as fast. But I'm glad there is an answer. There is a hope. I said I'm glad there is an answer. Listen, in Job chapter number 1, I want you to turn with me real quickly. And we're going to read about a man who lost everything. He lost everything in one moment, in one moment of time. You know, we, we've been through this, this economy situation for months, uh, uh, possibly the last couple of years it's been phasing in and, and, and going through this. But this man lost everything in one moment. One messenger came to him, shared the grief. One messenger came to him, shared another. Another messenger, in one moment, he lost everything. Now, what do we do when we face that same thing? Job chapter 1, verse 1. When you're there, say amen. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. We see his walk. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters, and his substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. There we find his wealth. We saw his walk. He was a godly man. He feared God. Uh, he was not, he was not a, 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 a thief. He was not a wicked man. He was a godly person. He was somebody who walked with God, and listen, that blows that theory that a lot of these churches are preaching that if you're right with God, nothing bad will happen to you. That's not biblical. This man was a godly man. He was a holy man. But we see, as we keep reading, his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. And Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And thus did Job continually. We see his worship. Not only his walk, but his wealth. Now we see his worship. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. The Bible in the New Testament says Satan is as a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour. He's just as real today as he was in the day of Job. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? A perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? 
Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance and, and is increased in the land. Put forth thy hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. You know, there's things going on in this world we know nothing about. Job went through what he went through thinking it was all about him and what had he done to deserve this. He had no idea this was between Satan and God. Would, would Job serve God for nothing? Basically, the, 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 the application is this, that Satan was saying, you're not worthy. The only reason people worship you is because what you give them. There is a, there is a, a gauntlet laid here. That is God worthy of worship if he never did one thing for us? Now we keep reading. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put forth not thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is falling from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away. Yea, slain the servants with the edge of the sword and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Now the worst of all, verse 18. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. Behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose. He ran his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave. Say that with me. Say it again. One more time. The Lord gave. The Lord gave. And the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Lord Jesus. This stuff we're talking about today is easy preaching but hard living. God, I know where we're at, and I know where some of our folks are at. Lord, we've got folks in here that have lost their jobs. God, we've got folks in here who, who are looking at difficult times. Lord, our country is looking at difficult times. We're facing uh, probably some of the most difficult we've ever faced it in our lifetime. But God, I stand amazed that you're able. I stand knowing that all things are possible with thee. And I know and I understand after studying what you gave me that, Lord, our source does not come from the job. It does not come from the White House. It doesn't come, uh, Lord, from anything this world has to offer. You are our source. God, I praise you this morning. Now help us to see this truth. Help us to use this truth and apply it to our lives so that we will not live in fear. God, you don't want any of your children living in fear. You don't want any of your children living in worry. God has not given the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And God, I pray that you'll help us use this. Believe it. Put our faith in it. And God will thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. This is a grim subject that we're talking about. Uh, I know, and I feel it, 
I feel it. I feel uh, this is one thing Satan has got a stronghold on a lot of people. And this is one thing Satan don't want you to hear. So I really, really need your undivided attention. Make sure they can hear me. Make sure I can hear me. I got, feel like I got water in my ears, so make sure I can hear myself. I want you to know that where we're at today in our country, we've probably, uh, in our lifetime, we have never been before. And it is a possibility, it is a possibility that things may get worse before they get better. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, preacher, if you're trying to encourage me, you're really not doing a good job. But I want you to know this. There are some things we need to understand. We are where we are, but what do we do about where we are? I want to share with you just a couple things, and I'm probably going to take a couple Sundays to do this because there's just too much information to do it all at one time. But there was some things that Job did that helped him through his situation. In one moment of time, he lost his wealth. In one moment of time, he lost his health. In one moment of time, he lost his family. Can you imagine going to ten funerals at one single time? I can't even imagine or fathom what this man went through and how he went through and faced what he did. But he did face it. He came out on the other side. I'm glad of the verse in the Bible says, and this thing came to pass. It did not come to stay. It came to pass. I did not go and camp down in the valley. I did not put a tent in the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley, I'm glad God will bring us out. Say amen. Listen, Job, he said in, in different verses through that, that book, that, that book, uh, uh, it says, I know my Redeemer liveth. I know my Redeemer liveth. At one point he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. He said, I know in Job 19, I know my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the latter day on this earth, and though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. There were some things that he knew. And in this verse, I want to share with you just those three words. Those three words. I was reading this and reading this, and I knew what God wanted me to deal with, but I didn't know how God wanted me to deal with it. I knew he wanted me to talk about this subject, about what to do when it's taken away. You say, oh, but it was the devil that took it away, but God allowed it to happen because God had a purpose for it. Now, I promise you this. God is not up in heaven biting his fingernails to the quick, wondering what he's going to do about the economy of this world. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He is the owner of this whole earth, the dirt, the grass, and everything in it. He knows what's happening right here. And I, I, I'm comforted in that fact. But what, what did Job do that helped him in this situation? As I was reading these verses and reading these verses over and over again, there was three words that popped out at me. And man, I just sat there and looked at that, when he said it and how he said it. He said, naked came I into this world. Naked shall I return thither. And then he said this, the Lord gave. Say that with me. Say it again. He didn't say, look how hard I've worked for my, my uh, possessions. He didn't say, look what all that I have done for what I have. No, he didn't do that. He said, I came here with nothing and I'm going to leave with nothing. And everything that I do have while I'm here, God's one gave it to me. And I want to talk this morning on recognizing our source. What do we do when God takes it away? What do we do when the, the boss calls? What do we do when your children call? What do we do when these things, we, they come into our life and we face them? Well, the first message in the series is this. We must recognize our source. Say that with me. We must. Say it again. I, I wrote a definition down. I looked up Webster's Dictionary, and I wrote this definition down of the word source. 
The word source is the point at which something begins its course or existence. The point at which something begins its course or existence. Basically this. There is a source of satisfaction. Uh, There is a source of salvation. There is a place where it began its existence. Where did our salvation begin? It, It began at Calvary's cross. It began in the heart of God where he saw our need and met our need. Listen, the source, the beginning, where does it come from? Uh, Everybody has different sources of satisfaction. Everybody has different sources of pleasure. Some things I like, Brother Buchanan don't like. He would not get any pleasure out of being knee-deep in the swamp, briars thick as uh, you can't even get through it, and about 42 below zero looking for a coon. He has no pleasure in that. Is there an amen right there? Amen. Uh, that is not his source of pleasure. Now, I'm telling you, I've got a little uh, uh, a year-old puppy. He ain't, even, he ain't even a year old yet. He won't be a year old at the end of this month. I know his birthday. I don't know all my children's birthday, but I know Jimbo's. <laughs> and he treated by himself, Brother Kenneth, all by himself. Had a coon this week, and I'm telling you, had to grease my ears to get in the truck. That was a source of enjoyment for me. <laughs> it was where I got. Are y'all with me? Listen, and the whole point is this. There is something that produces what we need. Now, what happens is we get our idea that our source is that job or our source is that employment or our source is that retirement. And God said, no, 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 no. No, it has never been, it never will be, and it never should be. I am your source. When the world takes it away, I still can give it to you. I am the one that will supply your need. I am the one that is the source of everything you need. I am. And see, what happens is when the tragedy does strike, when the things do come our way and we don't understand it, we think, what are we going to do? And that's the problem. We are not going to do anything. It's not our job to do it. My, my children are not at home right now. Oh, I wonder how we're going to pay the, pay the mortgage. They're not doing that. They're saying, God, how can I irritate my daddy today? <laughs> they're not worrying about whether they're going to have clothes. They're not worried about their food. You know why? That's my problem. You know why? I'm their daddy. Yeah. I brought them in this world, and I can take them out. I'm their daddy. I'm, I, listen, that's my problem. That's my job. Did Jesus not say when you pray? He said, pray, our, our, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's our father. That's his problem. God is wanting you to understand he is our source. The Lord gave. Job said, I came with nothing. I didn't have a blessed thing to my name. I didn't have anything in this world. I didn't have anything but God gave. He's our source. He's our source. Let me give you three things about our source, and we're going we're to find a, something to eat. Amen. Number one, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. I want you to see the history of this source. The history of this source. You know what? I, I was uh, encouraged to, to start investing uh, uh, taking a little bit and putting away, and uh, and I'm not real good at that kind of thing. That's really not my forte. Uh, I'm 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 good at spending. Is anybody with me on that? I I just I'm I'm an expert at that. I'm telling you, I'm 
in any but my money, your money, it doesn't matter. I can spend it now. I'm telling you. I, I, but they, they told me, said, you need to start putting some back because if you don't, uh, when you get old and you can't preach no more, then you're going to be eating dog food. And I said, I don't want to eat dog food. I, want, I like to eat. Amen. So, and this is what they said. When you go do that, you need to investigate. And talking about a Roth IRA, talking about the funds that they put it in. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Mutual funds, all that type of stuff. They say, but you need to go and investigate the fund and check out its history. Check out its history. How has it done in the past? How did it do in rocky times? How did it do in good times? You need to check out its history because you don't want to invest in one that's got a poor history. And I got to thinking about that. We need to go, if we get to worrying and we get to fretting, you know what we need to do? We need to go check out the history of our source. We need to go check out the history of our source. That is Jesus Christ, God our Father. We need to go back and look how has he done in the past to make sure he's going to be all right in the present. Well, I'm telling you, I spent a little time this week and I went back and checked out his history. He has done all right. I went all the way back to the beginning. You say, why'd you go back to the beginning? Because he said, naked came I into this world. Job went all the way back to the beginning. I went all the way back to the Garden of Eden. All the way back to the Garden of Eden. Do you realize that God was the source of everything? It says that he went down and took the dust of this ground. He dug man out of the dust of the ground. He took dust and dirt and made it all and formed it and had him laid out there. And then it says he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. What did he do? He supplied a heartbeat. If you're breathing air, God gave it to you. If you have a heartbeat and you've got a pulse, God gave it to you. He breathed in the man's nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. But in the very next verse, in the very next verse, it says this, and God planted a garden in Eden. I mean, he put some good stuff in there too. He put trees that were pleasant to the eye. He put trees that was good for food. Why? God does not want you just to survive. I've had people walk around, supposed to be spiritual people, and they walk around, I'm just enduring this life till I get to heaven. Man, that's hogwash. I'm enjoying life. I am enjoying being saved. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I have spoken these things unto you that my joy might be in you and your joy might be full. He said in John 10, the thief cometh but to steal, to kill and destroy. But I am come that ye might have life and have it more abundantly. God doesn't want you to endure life. God wants you to enjoy life. That's why he not only supplied a heartbeat, but he supplied a home. He placed man in that garden. I mean, way back in the beginning. And you know what? You know what? He he gave him a home. God can give you a home. Oh, but the finances, but hey, that's all right. Don't worry about that. God can meet your need. God can meet your need. The problem is, is we have gone more to wants than our needs. And that's where we've gotten messed up in our country. But do you realize, in the beginning, we're talking about God's history. He supplied man a home. He supplied man a heartbeat. And then he supplied him a help me. Right. He said, you know what? This ain't good. Everybody's got somebody. Adam ain't got nobody. I need to give him somebody to help him. I, and, and, and ladies, she was not a competitor. She was a completer. And God gave man a help me. Everything that we've been looking for. Everything. And young people, that's a good thing to understand. Don't go looking for one. Let God bring you one. Because every time we go looking for one, we're going to pick the wrong one. I always look for the wrong things. I need to wait for God to bring that person to me. But do you know what? Even then, after man messed up, God supplied them a hope. 
He said, look, your seed will bruise his head. He's going to bruise your heel. You know what that was? That was a promise. That was a prophetic promise of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, Adam, you messed up. Yeah, Eve, you messed up. Sin has crept in. Now there's condemnation on the earth. But I promise you this. I'm going to send somebody that's going to do something about your problem. He supplied hope. We see the history of this source in his creation. In the very beginning, God gave us everything we needed. And do you realize he hadn't never stopped? That's right. Amen. Oh, but my job. Listen, he was here for your job. Amen. He was here when you got here. When you was just a little naked little baby. And you didn't have anything, God took care of you then. Amen. We see the history of this source in his creation. But then we see the history of this source in his care. I went back and I said, well, how did he do with old people? People that wasn't babies, people that just come. I mean, what did he do with his children? You know what? I found evidence after evidence after evidence where God took care of his people. The psalmist said, I am old and I have been young. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God has cared for his own. He brought the Israelites. Now think about this. You've got to understand the Israelites, they didn't go. They didn't have the cracker barrel. God bless the Cracker Barrel. They didn't have that. They didn't have Applebee's. They didn't have Burger King. They didn't have the Golden Arches. They didn't have this stuff. God took them to a desert. I mean a desert. Johnny Lawrence went camping this week. He sure did. Spring break, went camping, roughing it. Isn't that what camping is supposed to be about, roughing it? He sent me a picture this week. Of a barbecue grill. He had that barbecue grill open. And there were five of the biggest steaks that I've ever seen in my life. I'm talking about large, thick, ribeyes. They were so big they were hanging over the grill. Do you understand me? I mean, three Angus cows gave their life for him to eat that day. And then he put under that, roughing it, preacher. You know what I was eating? A bologna sandwich. I typed back, you don't even know Jesus. We go camping and we think we're roughing it. These people was roughing it. There was nothing, absolutely nothing but rocks, sand, and desert. And God fed over a million people. Psalm 78, read it. He let manna come. I'm talking about he baked bread every morning and yeah. gave them people bread. Amen. Every morning. They had no idea about the Atkins diet. Say amen. amen. Gave them manna every single day. He gave them quail from heaven, knee deep, as far as you can see. He met their need every single day. And according to the Bible, it said they ate to the full. He wasn't, they wasn't rationing it out. He gave them all they needed. Then when they were thirsty, water out of a rock. Y'all know the story? His history's pretty good, isn't it? We see his history and his care. We see Elijah at the brook. Ravens God sent to feed his man. Met his need every time. But let me tell you this. It's not just in the Bible. It's in real life. God has met my need over and over and over and over again. I, I, I went and preached a revival one time. 
and got a real good love offering. I mean, it encouraged the fire out of me until I got home. When I got home, my wife went through it faster than a Husqvarna can go through an oak tree. I said, dear God, woman, what have you done? I had plans for that. Jimbo needed company. Say amen. Well, well, you didn't understand. Don't you wives just love it when, when we don't have a clue? They're there, but we don't know it. And we go through it, and we act stupid and act like we don't know it. She said, well, this and 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 this. I said, that's enough. That's enough. And it dawned on me. I said, God, I was going to. He said, see, son, before you even, because I didn't even ask for that much. I asked for what I thought we needed. But you know what? God knew what I didn't know. And he provided the need. Time after time after time after time. Now, you know what? If we stopped just a minute this morning and said, let's, let's testify about this. We wouldn't have enough time in the day for everybody to say, well, let me tell you what God did for me. Well, let me tell you what God did for me. Well, let me tell you what God did for me. I remember one time we first moved in this building. It was difficult. Lord God, it was a difficult financial time. And, and we, we was just in a bad way. And I was riding with Brother, Brother Doyle, and we were going down the road. And, and don't you love cellular phones? When you go and you hear every third word, I mean, you go and you know you're going out, but they're trying to say something important and say, Preacher, are you sitting down? Never say that to the preacher. Say amen. And then it went out. It went out. I thought, oh, my gosh, shoot, somebody has died. Somebody has rolled over in a car. I mean, some, somebody's mad at the preacher because that happens on a regular basis. I mean, something is going on. What? And, and for 20 minutes before we got into service again, and I called her back. I said, what's, what is wrong? Tell me what's wrong. She said, oh, nothing's wrong. Somebody sent a 2000 and it was exactly what we needed, a $2,000 check. They said they just felt like that the Lord wanted them to give this, and it met the need right then. I said, don't you never do that to me again. But God just, boom, he met the need. Preacher, what are you saying? When God takes it away, whether whatever it is, that job or whatever, don't go biting your fingernails. Because God just wants to show you that that job is not your source. He is. He is. The history of this source. Then number two, write this down. I want you to see the hindrance to this source. And there is. There is a hindrance. It can be. don't have to be, but it can be. The hindrance to the source. The nation of Israel, they experienced this. There are two things that can cut off the source. There are two things that can block God's blessings in your life. How many of y'all need God's blessings in your life? I sure do. Dear God, I do. I want them all. I want everyone he's got for me. I don't want to lack in any of them. I want everything God wants to give me. But you know what? There are things that we can do to hinder that. There are things that can happen that will hinder God's blessings in our life. First thing is this, doubt. Doubt, write that down, doubt. Doubt, it's, it's, listen, God wants more than anything else in this world. He wants you to believe in him. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. If any man comes to God, the Bible says he must believe that he is. Are y'all with me? Doubt. The Bible says in Psalm 78, and if you'll go, and I don't have time to read this morning, but if you'll take a few minutes, on your own, read Psalm 78. Psalm 78 lists all the things that God did for him. All the things that how God blessed him, brought him water out of a rock. God gave him manna from heaven. God gave him quail as much as they could eat. I mean, time after time after time, God met their need. God supplied their need. And this is what the Bible says about this. 
Psalm 78, verse uh, 40. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God. Now watch this. This is the key. And limited the Holy One of Israel. That word intrigued me. Limited. Limited. How do you limit God? I mean, he spoke the world into existence. He spoke light and said, let there be. Do you know light is still expanding? Exponentially. You know why? Because he didn't ever say light stop. He just said, let it be. And it's being. And it's still being. He said all of that. Now, how do you limit God? I looked up that word. That word limit, it means to make a mark, to scratch a mark in the ground. To scratch a mark. I thought, what do you mean scratch a mark? This is the deal. When we, with our unbelief, we believe God can do this, and we mark a line. We mark a line. And we hinder, and you ever heard that phrase, put God in a box? I've never seen it like I've seen it in this particular verse. It's not that God can't do it, and it's not that God won't do it. But our belief will keep him from doing it. Mark a line in the sand. Well, I believe God can do this, but you know this over here. Doubt. 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 Don't doubt. Do y'all remember, do y'all remember when, when the man came to Jesus with a son who had a, de- a demon? And I mean that demon was just killing him. And, the, and the, the disciples came to him and said, man, we couldn't cast him out. What do we do? Jesus came in on the scene, fixed the problem. And the disciples went to him and said, why couldn't we do that? Man, what was it? We, we said the same thing you did. We prayed like you did, but why couldn't we do that? He said, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Are y'all with me? Y'all remember that? Because of your unbelief. Then he said this. Then he said this. He said, this kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. Do you know what hinders God in our life so many times? Our unbelief. Our doubting him. What does God have to do now? God has art. We, done re- we recorded his, his history, didn't we? Didn't we record his history? Well, what has God got to do now different than he did before? God done it then. He can do it now. God's doing it now. He can do it in the future. If God fed the children of Israel in the wilderness, he can pay every bill that you have. Amen. Oh, but preacher, I got, my, I got my car repossessed. Well, it might have been you couldn't afford it in the first place. Well, I got this taken away. Well, it might have been that God didn't want you to have that in the first place. Because I promise you this, if God wanted you to have it, you'd still have it. God is trying to get our attention. We have gotten so materialistic in this world. We have gotten so, it's about materialistic things and about this world and about what I can have and what I own. And we have pushed him out of everything. And sometimes God has to get our attention and say, hey, hey, it ain't about that. It's not about what you own. It's not about what you possess. It's about me. Y'all with me? Say amen. Listen, doubting him. I, I, and, and let me say this. I do all the time. I hate it, and I'm working on it, and I'm praying about it, but there's sometimes doubt creeps in my heart. After everything, after everything that Peter saw the Lord do, and he's out here walking on the water, and then a wave comes. And he began to sink. It's easy when it's easy to believe when it's all good, isn't it? It's easy to believe when the bills are paid. 
It's easy to believe when you got a job. It's easy to believe when the kids act somewhat human. It's easy to believe when your wife still likes you. But boy, you let a storm come and a wave come. Our human nature is to doubt God. I heard this advice a long time ago, and it's good advice. I don't care who says it. Don't doubt God in the dark, what he showed you in the light. I, 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 have, I, have, uh, I deal with people every week in marriage counseling, uh, spiritual counseling, every single week. And you know what I find, Brother Donnie? I find that people start out, and they have a desire to want to make things right. They have a desire to want to do right. And then when they leave my office, everything going great. Everything going one from Satan will slap them with something. Then all of a sudden we'll get to thinking, well, here I'm trying to do right. And, and why is God doing this to me? It's not God. It's Satan. But I promise you this, it is a test. Just stick with it. Preacher, you don't know what happened to me this week. I don't care what happened to you this week. I know a God who is our source. And he can. What is a hindrance to our source? Not only doubt, but disobedience. Disobedience. The Bible says this. God is, God is referring to Solomon in a dream. And he is answering Solomon's prayer. He said, Lord, if we get away from you, if we backslide on you and we do things we're not supposed to do, and, and difficulty comes, if we pray, will you answer our prayer? And this is what God says back to him. He says, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. You've got to understand, everything in Israel was agriculture. It wasn't an industrial society at that time. It was an agriculture society. Everything depended on rain. Their, their cattle, their farms, listen, their crops, everything depended on rain. And God said, if you get away from me, I will shut up heaven that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land, send something to take what you already have. Or if I send pestilence among my people. Do you notice each one of them gets progressively worse? What does that mean? As, as God's children, God will get our attention. God didn't send any of them for no reason. The reason that he had to send them things is because we were disobedient to him. And I say we, I'm talking about the nation of Israel there. He wouldn't do that if they had stuck with him and followed him. He told them, I place before you blessing and cursing. I lay before you blessing and cursing. If you do this, you will receive blessing. If you do this, you'll receive cursing. And you know what we do? We disobey God. We do something that God, we know God's not pleased with. We live a life we know God's not happy with. And then we pray and pray and pray and pray and say, Oh, God, help me. You're wasting your time. What do you mean you're wasting your time? The Bible says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not hear me he said if i send all of this stuff if i shut up heaven if i come and, and basically you can put there if god take your job away now this is the deal you say but preacher I, I i'm living right it's not always because because just like job job was living right yet he lost the stuff i'm addressing those that are not are y'all with me say amen I'm not preaching this that everybody in here is not living right. That's why you lost your job or that's why this happened or that. That's not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying this, if we do this, this will hinder God's supply in our life. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, watch what he says in that next verse. 
He says this, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and what? You see, it was those wicked ways that caused them to have to shut up the rain, to send the locusts, and to send the plague. Here's the deal. As a father, I cannot give my child what I, I want to give them and bless them if they're being stupid. I cannot, when they come home with a report card that's got all F's on it, I'm not going to say, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. I'm not going to do that. You say, why wouldn't you do that? Because that's ignorant. That would mean that I'm okay with all them F's. That would mean that I'm condoning their behavior that's wrong. I can't bless that. I can't be good to that because that would mean I'd be all right with it. Well, do you realize God is the same way? We can't constantly live in a way that we know is disobedient to him and then turn around and ask him to bless us. Because if he blessed us in our sin, he would be condoning our sin. And God's not going to do that. He's going to do whatever it takes to get you out of that sin. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. If God has taken some things away, we need to examine our life and say, Lord... Am I right with you? Lord, is there anything in my life I need to deal with? And then deal with it. Church, say amen. Listen, number one. Number one. What was number one? Say it with me. Say it again. The history of our source. That's pretty good history, wouldn't you say amen to that? Then number two, we see the, the hindrance to our source. Then last of all, last of all, Kendrick, you buying supper? Okay, all right. Now that that's taken care of, amen? All right. Number three, I want you to see the hope of our source. The hope of our source. All right, what do we do then, preacher? What do we do? All right. It's not as much as what do we do as what we don't do. All right, here's the deal. The hope of our source, the hope of our source is in a place. Say that with me. The hope of our source is in a place. What do we not do, preacher? Don't leave the place. Don't leave the place. What what are you talking about? Abraham was called of God to go into Canaan. He said, I'm going to bless them that bless you. I'm going to curse them that curse you. He said, I'm going to make your seed as the sands of the sea, as the stars of the sky. Son, I'm going to do for you some things you would not believe. I'm just going to bless and bless and bless and bless you. And matter of fact, all of this land right here, talking about Canaan, talking about the promised land, talking about Israel now, he said, all of this I'm going to give you. Well, that's fine and dandy. He got up, he left his father's place, and went to where God told him to go. Well, as soon as he got there, I mean as soon as he got there, you know what happened? A famine a drought, a recession, a depression. It happened, and you know what he did? The Bible says, and he went down to Egypt to sojourn there. Now, here's the principle. Egypt is always a type of the world in the Bible. And what he did, he left the place of God. God said, go to Canaan. He said, well, it's bad here. Things are going bad. There's a famine. There's a recession. There's a problem financially. I'm going to go down into Egypt. Never turn to the world to solve your problems. You say, preacher, how does that have to do with me? The first thing that people want to do when things go bad, they want to leave the house of God. 
They want to leave the church. They want to blame God for it. And the first thing they do is they quit coming to church. That is the absolute worst thing you can do. Abraham left the place, went down into Egypt. You say, well, what happened? He got in trouble. He got in trouble. He told his wife, you know, just say that you're my sister so I won't get killed. And, and we know what happened. He got in trouble, got kicked out of Egypt. You say, what's the worst thing that could happen? You don't understand. By backsliding and going down into Egypt, he took Lot with him, and Lot never got Egypt off of his mind. And the reason he chose Sodom and Gomorrah, because what he saw in Egypt, he lost drastically because he left the place. Well, Naomi, the Bible says that there was a famine in the land with Naomi. Naomi was there in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the place of God. That was where she should have been. It was the house of bread. It was the place she should have stayed. But because of the famine, because of the recession, because of the depression, she left the place of God and went down into Moab, which was an ungodly place, a place where they worshipped idols. And you know what? She lost everything she had. She lost her husband, lost her two boys. You know why? She left the place. I got a better example. How many of y'all remember the prophet Elijah? I liked him. He was cool. I mean, anytime you can call down fire from heaven and kill 450 prophets of Baal, he made them a nonprofit organization. Say amen. <laughs> Listen, all of them, all of them, you know what he did? He went out and one woman, one woman, he just killed 450 wicked, idolatrous prophets. And one woman run him off. He said, I'm going to kill you. You know what he did? He packed up and ran. He said, well, what has that got to do with me? Here's the deal. You don't understand. In the very beginning of that verse, in, in the Old Testament, 1 Kings, the Bible says that God told Elijah, go to the brook. And I have commanded I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Amen. Say that with me. Feed thee there. there. Well, when the brook dried up, you know what he said? He said, I've got a widow in Zarephath. He said, I have, I have provided provision for you. That widow will take care of you. Say it with me. There. there. Wherever God put him, there... God provided for him. But when he ran off on his own, he ran off and got in a cave and said, God, just kill me now. I don't even want to live. You know what the first thing God asked him? What are you doing? What doest thou here? Let me ask you a question. Are you there or here? God told Elijah, when you was there, in other words, the place God put you, he provided for him. When he got to the, the widow, he said, I, she will provide for thee there. He provided for him. But when he ran off on his own because of difficulty, he got suicidal and depressed. Do you realize that's happening right now? Because people have left there and got here. And instead of depending on the source, they begin to depend on their own understanding and their own ability to meet their needs. And, and God's trying to show you, you have no ability. It's all about Him. 
Preacher, what do I need to do? You need to stay right in this place. Because when Abraham left the place, he got in trouble. And he really lost a lot in the process. When Naomi left the place, she lost her whole family, her husband and both her boys. When Elijah left the place that God had for him, he got suicidal and depressed. Preacher, what are you saying? The last place you need to leave is the house of God. Because if you study every one of them, they all had to come back to Bethel. Abraham went back to where God had first talked to him at the altar at Bethel. Naomi went back to Bethlehem. And listen, that's when God started turning things around for them. Sometimes it's easy to get bitter against God. It's easy to get bitter against the church. It's easy to blame everything on the church. When the whole time God's just trying to get our attention. Lastly, what is the hope of our source? How can we have our needs met and keep having our needs met? First, we've got to stay in the place. We've got to stay where God's planted us. Then, we've got to keep the pattern that we've had before. Not only is the place important, but the pattern is important. You say, what are you talking about? Well, here's the deal. And I don't like doing this. God has to just wring my neck to get me to do this because I'm, I've never been this way. Never been this way. Where's Mindy at? You in the house, Mindy? Mindy, that's my sister. Raise your hand again. That's my sister, my older sister. She had to put up with me for a long time. And now she's still having to do it. And uh, when we would go for lunch, in the morning time before we left to go to school, and I'm almost done. Don't, don't shut your minds off. Just stay with me right here. When, 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 we, would, when we would go for, get lunch money, I would never get it. How many times have you ever seen me ask for lunch money, Mindy? How many times? How many? Zero. I never I'd go hungry before I'd ask for lunch because I just, I can't do that. I just, that's not my, I can't do it. Now, she can do it. I mean, she asked for cars and houses and land, and I mean, just, it, she would always go, and thank God for her, I'd have been hungry an awful lot. But I just couldn't do that. I mean, I, I, I couldn't, I just, it, I don't like doing that. And I don't even like talking about it in here, but I need to. And the reason I need to is God told me, he said, look, son, I know you don't like talking about this, but you are shafting your people because if they don't understand this truth, they're not going to be given what they need. I said, okay, here's the deal. When financial crisis come, and, this is, and you can look at it through the whole economy, you can look at it through our whole society, what's happened when, when people get scared? Whoom. Why do you think the stocks are the way they are? Why do you think the business, are, they quit building houses? They quit buying things? What do they do? They hold on to what they have. And you say, uh, but that's, that's fear. It might, whatever it is, that's what we do. Are y'all with me? Y'all still with me? And you know what God says? This is the greatest time to give right now. I said, Lord, why? This is the deal. Watch this. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, 13, uh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Let me get on, on the right page here. Matthew, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 and 11. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee? This is God talking to his people. They say, where in the world have we robbed you? How do we rob you? He said, in tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. You say, what's a tithe and what's an offering? A tithe is this. A tithe is giving back to God what already belongs to him. Naked came I into this world, and naked I shall return. The Lord 
Come on, don't get quiet now. It's okay. Say it with me. The Lord, everything you have, God gave you. Every single thing you have, God gave you. Now, this is what he says. He says a tithe is a percentage that you give back to God for God given to you. We tithe a lot of things. We tithe our first day of the week. This is, we're here today. We're giving God the first day of our week. God wants us to give us the first part of the day. We should pray in the morning and, and dedicate that day to God. We give him the tithe of our, our income, what we bring in, the first fruits. Watch what it says. He said, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. See, they had cut off their offerings. They had cut off their giving. They were hoarding up what they had. And because of that, God had cursed their finances. Now watch what he says. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, he says. Test me, try me, the Lord says. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now that's what I'm looking for. Now, I wasn't going to say this, and I don't like saying this. Y'all don't never hear me saying this. It's just certain times that, that God makes me do this. I don't never talk about giving because I don't like it. I don't like doing it. I don't like the way I feel about it. But God said, if you don't, you're shortchanging your people because they won't get this if they don't understand it. And tithe is that percentage. We believe we give a 10%. 10% of what God has given us, we give back to him. Listen, but then an offering is what we give above that whether it's to missions, whether it's to a special project, or whether it's just a love offering given to God. Now, that's tithes and offerings. But watch what it says. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall destroy the fruits, uh, shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before thy time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. What does that mean? That means this. How many of you come home, cast your check, and there was more month than check? You say, what is that? That's a devourer. I've got a devourer at my house. And it was not Tammy neither. I give her that check, and she starts, what's the thing? Things are just munching it up like Pac-Man. But do you know what happens when God begins to touch it? I, don't, I can't explain it. I, can't, I, I don't know how he does it. I don't know why, because it's not that I'm doing anymore. And God just starts blessing. And somehow or another, God changes it around where there's more check than month. When we do right. When we give to him. Now, I don't want nobody leaving here and say, Preacher's making us, I ain't making you do anything. I'm just telling you the information and you got a choice. But I promise you this. I promise you this. You can hoard it up if you want to. You can get scared and hold on to it and not let it go. But I promise you this. God can't bless it if it's still in your hand. Let me give you another verse. Let me give you another verse. The Bible says this. It says, Luke 6, 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, wherewithal it shall be measured to you again. Now, I never understood that till I went to an old farmer's house. How many of y'all have ever picked peas? Pick peas, you know them long things? You ever picked them? You ever put them in one of them bushel baskets? Now, I wasn't real thrilled about picking peas, but Tammy likes purple whole peas, purple, ain't that what you call them, purple whole black eye, whatever, purple whole peas, and, and, and she said, would you go get me some purple whole peas? Now, I like Tammy, and I like her to like me, amen? So I went and got purple whole peas. So I'm over at this gentleman's house, and I got this basket, and I, I start picking them, and I put them in there. Well, they start sticking out the top. I said, hallelujah, I'm done. 
Was I done? That old farmer come over there and said, I said, I got it. Here we go. He said, son, you're not done. He grabbed my basket and said, I saw peas disappearing. I said, he is really messing with me. I mean, now fill it up. Yes, sir. He did that twice. Then I understood what God was saying. When I learned to give out of my heart. Now let me say this. God don't need you to give because he needs your money. Because he's the one who gave you what you got. God wants you to become like him. For God so loved the world that he... Naked came out into this world, naked shall I return. The Lord... And see, his whole purpose in life is to get you to be like him. Are y'all with me? Now let me clarify something. Let me clarify something. Uh... I watch TV probably more than I should. I like watching them religious channels. And sometimes they get me so mad, I, I, I just can't. And Tammy will come in. Well, why even watch? If you're going to get mad, why even watching that stuff? I got to know who I'm fighting. Amen. And they'll go on there and they'll say, say, just give it. Even if you don't got it, give it anyhow. Now, that's not biblical. God has never asked us to give what we don't have. Show me in the Bible if you think that. God never did that. He said, give of what you have. Are y'all with me? Now, you say, preacher, I have nothing. All right? Then God don't expect you to give if you have nothing. But if what you do have is going to the cable bill, the cigarette bill, the fishing trip, the you fill it in then that's not an accurate statement. The problem is all these other things are getting before God. And that's why we're struggling. We are struggling. I know this. I know you are. I know we are facing this. We are struggling financially. But you've got to understand the economy has nothing to do with God's source. My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches. In glory, not Washington. So, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. If we learn to give when we're supposed to, then I promise you this. God will bless you. But if you hold it. How many of y'all have ever planted a garden? Planted a garden. Hold your hand right now. I, I, I planted a garden one time. Never had planted one before in my life. Never had planted one before in my life. But I wanted to because I've seen other people do it and it looked cool. And I, got, I like squash. Anybody like squash? I said, baby, I really like squash, so we need to do this because I really want a lot of squash. We planted 92 squash plants. See, y'all know, and y'all didn't say nothing. Three squash plants will feed all of China. 92. Shane, did you hear me? 92. I mean, I had rows of them. I was so proud of them. I said, look at our squash, baby. And then they started putting out. We had a basket that deep, that big around. We filled it up every single day. 
We had squash kebab, <laughs> squash casserole, squat. Are y'all with me? We gave it away. We did everything. I could not. I, I said, Lord, I don't want to ever look at another squash. But you know what I got? What I put in the ground. And see, we can, we can hold our seed and we can, we can be scared because of the economy and we won't, we'll hold our seed. And, and, but, but if you hold it, that's all you're going to get. But if you'll sow it, and I hate, I hate using that terminology because the charlatans on TV have just totally done this to steal and I, I can't stand them. But I'm telling you, the truth is the truth. There was a little lad. There was a little lad who had one little lunch. Five loaves and two fishes. God had the greatest fish fry ever known to man. He took five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000 men plus their families. But let me tell you how he done it. That little fella said, I got this lunch. Well, what did he get out of it? Let me finish. He said, I got this lunch. He said, this is all we got. The disciples said, what is this among so many? Jesus said, let me show you. He took it, and this is what he did. It said they put it in Jesus' hands. When they put it in Jesus' hands, he blessed it. Say that with me. He. Say it again. He blessed it and break it and started passing it out and kept passing it out and kept passing it out until the Bible says they were all full. This was a Baptist crowd, y'all. Y'all know what we eat? Say amen. And you know what? He said, all right, let's gather up the fragments. How, how, many, how many lunches we start with? Five loaves, two fishes. When they were full, completely taken up what was left over after God blessed it. How many baskets did it have? You know why I believe they had 12? One for each disciple. For each disciple to see, hey, look what happens when you put it in my hand. Now, don't nobody leave here and say, oh, it's economy. He's getting, he's starting to preach. I promise you this. God told me to say this. Because you don't never hear me saying this. Y'all know that. But I'm telling you, if you keep it in your hand, God can't bless it. But if you'll take it and turn it loose in faith and say, God, here it is. This is yours. Little boy, one time, and I'll tell this story and we'll pray. Little guy was at, the, at McDonald's with his daddy. That's a wonderful place. You know, Kendrick? Wonderful place. He was at McDonald's, and, and he, had a, he had a big old thing of fries there. And that little fella, was, he was just having himself time. Mama, she was at a conference, so it was just daddy and the little fella. Little guy would take that fry, and he would fly it around and dip it into the ketchup. Then he'd wave it around like a baton, and boy, he was having a big time. Well, his dad reached over there and grabbed one of the fries and ate one of the fries. Well, the little guy said, no! He was Baptist. <laughs> no! And the dad kind of like, kind of shocked. He said, no. And then he went back just like it never happened, flying his little. And the dad sat there a minute, first stunned, then just a little perturbed. Look, you little rat. 
He didn't say that, but he thought that. I bought them fries. I'm the one who gave you them fries. You didn't have no money. I gave you them fries in his mind. Then he got to thinking, boy, I could, I could drown you in french fries and ketchup. I can give you more than that one little one you don't want to. I could just. Then he said it dawned on him. How many of us Christians, God gave us the fries. And God just wants a small part of what was already his in the first place. How many of y'all have ever been to the doctor? Why do they poke on you like they do? Does this hurt? No, you're putting it through my spleen. No, that don't hurt. And they'll just prod and poke till they hit that. Oh! You know what? They found where the problem was. Sometimes God pokes in our business. And if what I'm telling you is hurting you, you've got a problem there. And we need to understand, like that little fella, Man, our Father wants us to give us fries and, and chicken wings and all kind of stuff. But when we bow up about one little thing, are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Listen, we're in it. We're in it. Ain't no, ain't no doubt. We're in a rough time right now. But if you'll leave here saying, I ain't got to worry about Washington. I don't have to worry about no stimulus plan. I got a source. I don't have to worry about Obama or the White House or, or what the Fed is doing. I don't have to worry about that. Bless God, I got a source. That's what I want you to leave believing. Church, say amen. Next week, we're going to step two. This week, we must recognize our source. Our source is not in our employment. Our source is not in our job. Our source is not in our retirement. Our source is completely in Him. Church, say amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I wonder if